some of you all that know mine and Rachel's story, you know that we dated long distance for uh, a couple of years. And this was like at the beginning of cell phones. And if you'll remember this, you know, whenever you had your cell phone contract, you had like 200 or 300 anytime minutes. And then you had free nights and weekends that started at nine o'clock. And so while I was away at college that nine o'clock, man, I could not wait for nine o'clock to come. So Rachel and I could talk over the phone. It was something that I just, you know, I was anticipating, you know, I, I, wouldn't even imagine not calling her and finding out what happened during her day um, because I longed to be with her. I longed to talk with her. I I didn't need to set a reminder to call her because I was waiting, 8.56, 8.58, and then sometimes, you know, I'd wait till 9.01 just to make sure I didn't get charged at 9 o'clock for that if I called at 9 o'clock. You guys laugh because you guys probably did the same thing. but yeah, so I, I long to, to be with her. You know, we're going to finish our Get in the Game series today. It'll be our last week. The next week we'll, we'll move into our, our Easter series. But what I want you to get out of this passage is as we desire Christ and want to serve his church, our anticipation to be with him, it grows. It grows. A mark that you desire Christ is that you anticipate his return. This is the message I try to preach in some fashion or form at least once a year because we as a church need to be longing for and yearning for the return of Christ. The early church was was looking for it all the time, and yet we today just kind of get caught up in the mundane activities of life And we forget that the Savior we serve will return, and we should be looking for his returning. We're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 22 this morning, which is right after the birth of Jesus. We're going to pick up in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord, referring to Jesus. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, this would have been done at the time of when Jesus was 40 days old. Mary and Joseph would have made the trek from Bethlehem, to Jerusalem, which had been about five miles over hills, to bring him to the temple to make this sacrifice to the Lord. You know, the fact that they brought two young pigeons or turtle doves tells us that Mary and Joseph were very poor. You should bring some type of livestock to offer as a sacrifice, but there is a provision made in the law where poor people could bring pigeons or turtle doves. Let's keep reading here. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he had not seen death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus To do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up 
in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother were marveled, marveled at what was said about him. So we have this guy, Simeon, that Luke tells us about, who's longing for the promise of the Messiah. You see, the Jewish people were waiting. They were yearning for the Messiah to come and rescue them. And he's waiting on God to come through in his promise to deliver them, to redeem them. He's longing for this. And the Spirit of God comes to him and says, Rest assured, you will not die until you have seen the Christ. So he begins anticipating what God is going to do. He's counting down the days because if he's waiting for it, he actually believes that God is going to do it. This is how we know desiring Christ brings anticipation because when you desire Christ, he becomes the prize for this life. Jesus is what we get. The way God makes good on his promise in this life is the person of Jesus. He is what we get. He is why we are here. He is the prize we long for, that consolation at the end of this life. It's almost like, you know, as an athlete hones their craft, whether that's lifting weights, catching, shooting, kicking balls with the desire of winning the championship. They're training. They're working hard toward that goal. Throughout the game of life, we serve him. We worship him. We desire him. He is the prize that we want. He is the prize that we are looking for. You know, we, we have something in common with these devout Israelites who were waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ because in some ways we are completely different because we have an advantage that they did not have. You see, God has already broken into human history once in the form of Jesus Christ. And we can have the confidence to know that because he's done it once, we know he will do it again. We have the assurance that he is going to do it because he has already done it once. And if you are a Christian and you're going through this life and you are not anticipating the coming of Christ, if you're not anticipating that there is something greater, something bigger in this world, let me define what I mean when I say anticipating the coming of Christ. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with a bunch of guns and, and a cabin in the woods and hunkering down and saying, we're just going to hunker down until Jesus comes. That's not what I am talking about. That's not anticipation. If I told you you were going to set foot on a football field, and that, that game, you were going to win that game. No matter what you did, how many times you fumbled the ball, how many interceptions you threw, you were going to win that game regardless. How would you respond? I think you would play harder, and more importantly, you would take more risk. If you knew that you were going to win the game, 
you would be more apt to try and throw Hail Marys from your own 20-yard line because you knew that you were going to win the game. Why would you do that? Because you know how the story ends. The story ends with you winning. So you're going to take as many risks as you can. Try to rack up as many yards as you can, as many touchdowns as you can. Blitz as many times as you can and get as many sacks as you can. Because you know what the final score will be. And so you're going to take as many risks as a part of that. Do you know what anticipation builds? Risk. Because I know that God is sovereign and that I know the end of the story and how it ends because it's his story and Jesus has the last word. And we as Christians should be building in anticipation for that to be fulfilled. But until then, we continue, just like Simeon, to count the days. Here's the deal. If you're not living in constant anticipation of Jesus coming, either you believe that God is not going to make good on his promise, or maybe you believe that his promise just isn't that good. That's the truth. I think a good question to ask at this point in the sermon is, how would this really change us if we lived our lives with anticipation of his second coming? Would it change the way you spend your time? How we spend our time shows us what we desire. What we are anticipating in the future governs how we spend our time. What should we do now with our time? How would you change your time if you knew that Jesus was coming in the next 24 hours. Maybe you need to have that conversation with your close friend that you have been putting off for years about Christ because you see a foolish man says, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I can do that tomorrow. We have too many Christians living on the long-distance plan of I've got 30 years to put my life together. What if you only had 24 hours? How would your life be different? Part of anticipating Christ is recognizing that his return is imminent. He could return at any time, and we need to hope in that. Let me ask you another question. If you could push a button right now that would initiate the return of Christ. Bible says no man knows the day or the hour except God. So anybody on TV that tells you, gives you a date and a time, they're a liar, because the Bible is clear about that. But, hypothetically, if you could push a button that would initiate the return of Christ right now, would you do it? Would you do it? That's something to chew on. Right now, whatever you started thinking through, if you started thinking through watching your kids grow up, your career advancement, your next vacation. If that's where your mind went instead of the glory of spending eternity with Christ, that's truly what your heart is valuing. That's truly what your heart is desiring. As we grow in our desire for Christ, may God continue 
to build a greater anticipation in our life for Christ. May we live our days here on this earth, not as those who live as we don't know what is going to happen, but may we live as those who know the author of the story. It's his story. So let me ask you to do something for me this week. Since we know the end of this story, we know that Christ is coming back. Can you do something risky for God this week? Can you step out and do something risky? Maybe it's having that conversation with someone that you've just been terrified to talk to about Christ. Maybe it's that neighbor that you say hi to. And you say, you know what? He's been out washing his car. I'm going to go over and talk to him. And you've been saying that now for two years. And you neglect having that conversation. Demonstrate that you desire Christ and are living in such a way that you are willing to do something risky with your time. Because there is nothing better in this world than Jesus. He is what will bring us the most satisfaction. How we spend our time demonstrates what we desire, and if what we desire is Christ, people will see that in the way we spend our time. And when they see Christ in us, they too will see the glory of God revealed and be drawn like a moth to the flame the same way you were when Christ revealed himself to you. So this week, let's pray as a church. This is a hard one for some of us. Let's pray, Christ, will you please return soon? We look at this wicked, awful world. And sometimes I ask, how can Christ continue to wait to come back. We know that his return is soon. Are we praying and earnestly looking for his return? When's the last time we rolled out of bed in the morning and even had the thought, is this the day? Is this the day that Christ will return and then live that day with that thought, that belief that today could be the day. Because that's something we as Christians, when we have that mindset, it changes every aspect of our day. It changes what we desire. It changes our relationships. It changes where we spend our money when we think today could be the day. How will you live your life? Let's pray.